Hello, everyone. Welcome to Better Health While Aging, a podcast that gives you strategies and information about improving the health and well-being of older adults. We discuss common health problems that affect people over age 60, the best ways to prevent and manage those problems, and we also often address common concerns and dilemmas that come up with aging parents and other older loved ones, like what to do if you're worried about falls or safety or memory, or even the quality of an older person's health care. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Kernison. I'm a practicing geriatrician, so that means I'm a medical doctor specialized in geriatrics, which is the art and science of modifying healthcare so that it works better for older people and for their families. In today's episode, I'm going to do something a little different, which is to discuss a really interesting comment that was posted about a month ago on the Better Health While Aging website. And it's from a 76-year-old woman named Susan. I'll read you the full comment in a little bit. And as you'll see, it's about her feelings and really her frustrations related to the way her son is trying to assist her. As you know, it's really common for there to be tension and conflicts, really, between aging parents and their adult children, especially when adult children start to perceive their older parents as needing some form of help or as needing to do something about their situation. And I do get a lot of comments and questions on the site from adult children who are concerned about their older parents, but uh, I've generally had fewer from older adults who are looking for help dealing with their adult children. Usually when older adults write comments, it's more with questions about their aging health concerns or other issues. Uh, Occasionally it's about their children, but that's been less common. Still, as I know, and I'm sure you know also, when it comes to older adults living better during their later years, these issues related to help from others are really important. When do you need it? What do you do when people are offering? How do you negotiate that? while helping an older person maintain their dignity and autonomy and honoring what they want for themselves. All of these are really, really common and important issues to address, whether you're the older person or the person who's concerned about your aging parent or somebody else. So especially since we just had Thanksgiving here in the United States, we're heading into the holiday season. And this is a time when I have found that families are especially likely to struggle with conversations about aging and how to help an older person. Now, there are some experts who think this is not a good time to have these conversations, you know, to have the talk about what's going on with an older person and whether or not they need help because it's already a busy and in a way stressful time. Sometimes all these holiday gatherings, they're very, uh, they can be very joyful and a nice opportunity. And, you know, people are traveling, people are tired. So it may not be a great time to have these conversations. And for families who are geographically dispersed, this might be the time when they do come together and can have the conversation. Or for people who live further from their older parents, this is the time when uh, sometimes they come home and see their parents in a different way and become more concerned. So it's not necessarily an ideal time to have these conversations, but I know that these issues do come up this time of year. So I thought this would be an especially good time to share Susan's story with you and then to discuss what might be some constructive approaches for her and her son to consider. So I don't have an article about this per se. She, interestingly enough, posted her comments on a Better Health While Aging article that's titled 
four things to try when your aging parent seems irrational. <laughs> so she posted her comment there. Uh, I will post a link to her comment and you can see the shorter answer that I posted a few weeks ago. And I'll share that with you too towards the end. But what I'm going to do is start by reading you her comment in full. And then I'll highlight what I think are the key issues to keep in mind when you are um, facing this kind of, of uh, conflict or situation, whether you're the older person or the adult child. I'll make some suggestions for how Susan and her son could think through it. And I'll share some resources that can be helpful in navigating these kinds of situations. Let me now share with you Susan's comment. So she wrote, I'm 76. I've always been a sort of casual person. My house isn't perfect, but those kinds of things aren't important to me so much. I've always had an inward life. I'm a philosophy major and tend towards the spiritual side of life, although not overtly. My son recently moved closer to me, and he is someone who is nervous almost constantly about how his apartment looks and how things are arranged, and especially gets upset if I don't follow his advice. He even went to the social worker in the hospital where he works and painted me as demented. I do resent that. I used to live this quiet, peaceful life in a small coastal town in Maine. Now I'm always worrying about I have to do this, I have to do that, all from my son. He pounded on me until finally I went to his doctor. Now I'm caught up in the drug cycle. My kidney was harmed by the drugs he prescribed. I figure if I've lived this long, then I don't mind dying in a few years. Perfectly natural. My choice. But my son helps me by shopping for me and around the house. I would hate to lose that. But I may have to remove him from my life so I can feel peaceful again. I wish he would leave me alone and stop bullying me. I try, but it's not good enough. So that's the comment. She actually didn't really ask me a question, but I did post an answer since I assume when people post comments, they're hoping that I'll weigh in in some way. I'll share my answer with you later. But so much in those paragraphs that she wrote about her life. And what I want to do is sort of focus on a few particular things that struck me about the, the story. I mean, first of all, the, you know, the story is, it sounds like there's a, a, a longstanding difference in personality and temperament between this older woman and her son, that she described herself as more casual with an imperfect house, more inwardly focused, and her son as um, being, I think, a little bit more uh, organized um, about how his apartment looks and how things are arranged. And so maybe her son is, is a little bit less of a, a flexible, casual um, personality. So, so those are probably longstanding differences. She describes him moving closer to her. And we don't know why he moved, but it may have been prompted by his perception that his mother might need his help, or maybe it wasn't. And now that he's there, she feels like he's getting involved in her life. Now, she describes some things that she appreciates about it, that he's helping her by shopping and around the house, and that she'd hate to lose that. So, so she values that. But on the other hand, she, it sounds like she feels that she's been pushed into seeing the doctor and into putting more time and effort into her health care than maybe she was inclined to do that now she's on medications and feels that those were harmful to her. 
So she's describing some frustration about that and also about his, uh, uh, she describes him pounding on her and bullying her. So it sounds like she's feeling quite pressured by him to do things. And that's been frustrating. And then she also mentions that he went to the social worker in the hospital where he works. So he, so he may be a health professional, actually, and painted her supposedly as demented. And she's very resentful of that. So it sounds to me like she, you know, has some some ambivalence. She appreciates the some aspects of the help, but feels that a lot of what he's offered, it's sounding, you know, sort of intrusive in a way. And really what I was struck by was that, you know, it sounds like a lot of the things that he's pushing her to do are not in line with her own goals and priorities for how she wants to live her life and maybe how she wants to handle her health. I mean, the fact that she says that she doesn't mind dying in a few years, you know, is notable. Because if that is somebody's priority, then maybe doing all this health stuff doesn't make sense. So when I read this, here are a couple of key things that, that I thought about. One, I thought about communication. To what extent have this mother and son expressed to each other what their priorities are, what their concerns are, and also to what extent have they made an effort to better understand the other person and understand where that person is coming from. And I'll talk a little bit more about communication in a moment. But I will tell you that for the most part, most of us do not engage in very constructive communication with other people. So usually it's possible to really improve that. So that's one thing that that I think about is how are they communicating? And how could that be improved? Another thing I think about, and this is very important when it comes to older adults, especially later in life is the question of goals and priorities. So to what extent has this older woman thought about what are her goals and priorities when it comes to her life, when it comes to her health, when it comes to her safety, when it comes to her autonomy? And you know, the challenge as people get older is that ideally we want all these things. We want, you know, we want good health and longevity, we want safety, we want autonomy. But as people get older, those sometimes start to come into conflict and we have to decide which is more important. So to what extent has she thought through what her priorities are? To what extent has she communicated that to her son, to her health providers? And is there a way to reorient what they're doing in light of that? Because otherwise there are different ways to proceed and how are you going to choose which way to go? So that's another issue that I found myself thinking about when she shared her story. A third key idea is acceptance and boundaries. So I find when there are these conflicts between families is that there's often, we often really want somebody else to do something or be a certain way. And we struggle with the fact that they are not doing that. And so on one hand, I think this, you know, it sounds like the son is, you know, really wants his mother to handle her health and life in a certain way, and that she also wants him to handle her needs in a certain way. And so that does need to be negotiated. And usually it's necessary for all parties to do some accepting of the fact that the that other people are going to make some choices or prioritize things that we don't agree with. And we have to find a way to become a little bit more comfortable with that because we can't make other people or other situations entirely what they want them to be. 
Um, but that also brings up the question of boundaries, you know, that, that sometimes we get a little too involved in trying to get other people to feel or behave or do things the way we want them to. So figuring out to what extent we should nudge a little bit, because it is often necessary. I will say I think it, it is often advisable and reasonable, let's say, to nudge older adults in certain ways to consider certain forms of help or, or, or to revise things. Also necessary to nudge adult children, for, for sure. And we have to figure out how far to go with that. So that sort of raises the, the question of boundaries. Boundaries also come up when an older person or when anyone is asking us to help or, or do things in ways that, that we may decide we're not necessarily going to, to accommodate, right? Uh, so the boundary issues kind of go both ways. A fourth important issue that this story highlighted for me is the question of connection. It sounded to me like this older woman doesn't feel very connected to her son right now. And that's not surprising, given what she described of the situation. I mean, first of all, it sounds like they have very different temperaments and personalities, and that can sometimes make it more challenging to feel connected to someone. And then we also tend to not feel very connected to people when we feel that they're pressuring us or invading our our space and not maybe respecting what we would consider to be reasonable boundaries. And the, the problem with this is that when we feel disconnected from people, then it is harder to it is harder to negotiate, first of all, a, a solution moving forward because people are better able to negotiate and compromise with other people when they feel understood by the other person and when they feel more connected to the other person. So I do hear from a lot of adult children who want to you know, persuade their parents to accept this or that that they think is necessary and they may or may not have good reasons for, for pushing for that. And so separately from how you're going to negotiate that specific issue where there's a difference of opinion, there's the greater question of, well, how connected, you know, and how strong is the relationship between you and your older parent at this time? Because if it's been kind of rocky, because most of your conversations have been about the adult child saying, you need to do this, and the older parents, you know, resisting and feeling frustrated or resentful about it, that's not a good foundation to, to navigate what is almost always actually a pretty challenging situation you know, of how to, to proceed when an older person might need some help, but might also feel, you know, reluctant to make certain changes because those changes can be hard. And I did find it worrisome when she said, you know, she might need to remove him from her life, mostly because I thought, wow, things must be really bad <laughs> if, she's, if she's considering that. But also because I know, and many of you probably know also, that I know that a lot of older people end up needing help for at least some period of time in their last years. And often family are the ones who step up and do it if a person does have children. Not everybody does. And in that case, sometimes other younger relatives step up or sometimes it's friends. But even though she might be able to manage without his help shopping and cooking right now, I think she's likely to need his help in the future. Certainly as a doctor, we have seen people ill in the hospital, and then we turn to family to help make the, the decisions. So, so for her own well-being, I think it's better for her to figure out how to put this relationship 
on better footing because I think that's likely to benefit her down the line. So that's another issue related to the connection. I mean, I think relationships with people who are our parents, our you know, close family, relationships are really important. They're worth working on just for themselves. And those people who are close to you are the ones who are going to show up when you are in need. And it's important to maintain those possibilities for, for later. So connection was another thing that, that I thought about as I heard her story. And then lastly, there's the question of for a person who is aging and, and is reaching the point where maybe they need a little help with something. She does say that he's helping her by shopping and around the house. And then he went and talked to a social worker about her mental state. Now, he may have completely overstepped or misinterpreted something that's going on. Or maybe she is starting to have difficulty with something. So the truth is that most older people will need at least some help. And so, you know, what are the better ways to navigate that and for them to negotiate how they will be helped, for them to get themselves to a place where they can accept at least a little bit of help? How do you strike that balance where people get some help, but not so much that it is, first of all, taking their life in a direction they really don't want to go or really uh, overstepping their dignity and autonomy. So those were the sort of five key themes that came up for me. Communication, goals and priorities. Have we clarified what matters most to the older person and, and oriented our efforts around that? Acceptance and boundaries. What will each person need to accept and let go of? Because it's usually not possible to get the situation to be exactly as you want or to get other people to behave or feel exactly as you want? How can we reinforce connection and the relationship, both for the sake of the relationship and because that puts us on better footing to negotiate and navigate these challenges? And then lastly, what are ways to negotiate how much help this older person needs and to provide it in a way that's reasonable? Do we need to help her accept a little bit more assistance or do we need to help her son accept that things won't be as as safe or as medically optimal as he prefers and we're going to decide that's okay because that's not his mother's priority. So given those things, what can be done now? So I'm going to now share what my response was to Susan along with a few extra comments that I didn't have space to write on the site. So what I wrote to Susan was, thank you for sharing this comment and your story. It's a good counterpoint to all the comments from concerned adult children. It sounds like your son is concerned about you, but perhaps is not yet tuned into what is most important to you. And it also sounds like he's innately more high strung than you are. You probably have already tried talking with him about the situation. I would recommend that you keep working on the communication between the two of you and a good book that can help is difficult conversations, how to discuss what matters most, which you can probably get from the public library. Another option would be to schedule a few sessions to talk to your son in the presence of a family therapist or a mediator. Having a trained professional can help families get past the usual stuck spots that come up when people are expressing frustrations with another person. I do think he needs to respect your wishes and he should try to better understand what's important to you. And I would caution you against removing him from your life. Most older adults do benefit from some help and support from family, 
If not now, you may benefit from his help in the future. So unless he's a complete maniac and basket case, I think it's better to try to come to a better mutual understanding, even if it takes some work and perhaps some sessions with a professional. Good luck. So let me finish this by just sharing a few more details regarding my suggestions for her moving forward. So first of all, if, if you are an adult child worried about your older parent resisting help, I do have an article that I wrote a few years ago, Four Things to Try If an Older Person is Resisting Help. The key suggestions, I'll post a link in the show notes, but the key suggestions I made is, first of all, to consider the possibility of, of cognitive impairments. Because if that's what you suspect, then trying to nudge the person into getting a medical evaluation becomes more important. And you might also have to adjust your expectations for um, how they might engage in the conversation and might be able to negotiate possible solutions. But the second suggestion is to make sure you've heard and validated the other person's concerns and emotions, the older person's concerns and emotions. So again, the book that I suggested to Susan, Difficult Conversations, How to Discuss What Matters Most, it is not particularly about talking to your older parent. It is just about navigating these difficult conversations. And they're difficult because one or both people feels upset or gets emotional when it's brought up. And the authors were part of the Harvard Negotiation Project. And it is just a wonderful resource on how to step back and instead of focusing on delivering your message to the other person, because that's what we all have a tendency to do, is to be very focused on telling them something. Either you need to do this or this is, this is my perspective. That we're much more effective when we step back and start off by having a, what they call a listening stance. A, a curiosity about the other person about and starting with, let me understand better how they see the situation. Because first of all, when people feel heard, they are actually more able to then listen to another person. And also because once you better understand how the other person sees the situation, you'll have better ideas on how you could move forward together and negotiate a way forward that helps everyone get, ideally everyone gets something of what they want. So I'll post a link to that book, but it's a wonderful book. You can get it from most public libraries or just buy a copy. It will help in all aspects of uh, conversing with people, other family members, people at work, you name it. So that is, is really, really important. And then you want to come back to this question of what are the older person's goals and priorities? And older people often have different priorities than their adult children might have for them. So as this woman said, it doesn't need to be her priority to try to live as long as possible. It seems that uh, she's concerned about her quality of life and feels that it's diminished with a lot of intensive medical intervention. So that's, that's very important. And it's important for her son to think about what are her priorities and recognize that what he might want most for her may not be what she wants for herself. And he might have to find ways to accept that. Which brings me to my, my fourth suggestion in the article, Four Things If an Older Person Is Resisting, An Older Parent Is Resisting Help, is that it's, it's very important as adult children or as just people who are concerned and trying to help, because I have this too as a clinician trying to help older adults, it's important to distinguish what we need and want from what the older person wants. So if, if we're anxious about their safety, we have to be careful about not imposing too much on them to assuage our anxiety about their safety or about what, what is going on. 
So to finish with a few last suggestions for somebody in Susan's position, I would say this is an opportunity to understand your family member better. This is an opportunity for you to come to a better understanding of each other. Connection and protecting the relationship is important. Now, that doesn't mean you accept what they do and then bottle up your resentment or, or anxiety. You do want to find ways to, to express your concerns. Now, for some older adults, expressing the concerns isn't going over very well. And in that case, the adult child has to you know, express it to other people, such as an online support group or a concerned clinician. I mean, you do want to find ways to, to, to let it out. But um, how can you put that relationship on a better footing? That's really important to think about. Everyone usually needs to practice some acceptance of uh, things. Of course, we should all focus on our own acceptance and not spend too much time insisting to someone else that they need to accept something. And then if you're the older person frustrated by your family's attempts to intervene, don't just complain about it. Try to be specific and ask yourself, what would it look like if they were helping in the right way? Can you articulate that first to yourself? And then can you articulate that to them? Here's what it would look like. So that would be my first suggestion. What would it look like? And then the next thing is that it, it is difficult to address, but if you can address your advanced planning, Rebecca Sidore and I discussed her resources, prepare for your care in a recent podcast episode, which I will link to in the show notes. But uh, if you haven't already done it, or if you haven't done it recently, address the advanced planning, and especially consider a few scenarios in which you might need more help. What would be your priorities? How would you want your family to help? And I have heard from a lot of adult children that when they bring this up with their parents, their parents say, oh, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to need help driving, or I'm not going to be unable to keep living in the home. Well, of course, we hope that'll be true. That is what we all want for you, for you to not have those difficulties driving or living in the home. And it's a possibility that it will happen because it does happen to a fair number of older adults. So even though it's hard, if you can make the effort to consider that possibility, you'll be taking an important step forward in addressing your advanced planning. And that's just an enormous gift that you can give to your family. Now, in terms of having these conversations, it is very hard to sort it all out in a single conversation. Really not realistic. You know, it's something that takes most people some time to gently come back to. You do want to intersperse, uh, intersperse it with conversing about other things. Again, you know, maintaining the relationship and making sure that your conversations aren't just about problem solving around what is perceived to be as the older person's vulnerabilities or issues. And then my last suggestion, again, to Susan and her son is consider investing in professional help. It is really hard to navigate these conversations on your own. And so even though it does often cost money, but a few sessions with a trained, either a mediator who ideally has some experience helping families navigate these kinds of issues, or a, a therapist, again, with experience with aging issues, or a geriatric care manager, they're now called aging life care professionals, I'll post a link to their professional association, but many of them have a therapy or counseling background and are especially adept at mediating these these conversations. That can be hugely helpful. You can get further in a few conversations with a professional than you might during months and months of attempting 
these conversations on your own. Also, the other advantage of a geriatric care manager is that if an older person and their adult child are having a difference of opinion about how big a problem something is, it can be sometimes helpful to get in a third party, who ideally should be perceived as knowledgeable and neutral by everybody, to provide an assessment and help the family think through what would be options. And sometimes safety cannot be the number one priority. I mean, sometimes it's reasonable after considering all the options to accept a situation that is not optimal from a safety perspective or from a medical longevity perspective, but we accept it because it improves an older person's quality of life and is in line with some of their other priorities. So, you know, that does happen. So those are are my main suggestions. So I hope it will have been helpful to you to hear about Susan's situation. And so if you are facing any of these challenges within your own family, I hope some of these suggestions will be helpful and that you can have a little less frustration and resentment. And again, just better connection, better understanding of the other person and a warmer feeling about the relationship because in the end, relationships are what matter the most to each of us. And when we communicate better and connect better with our family members, we all benefit and it makes it a little easier to navigate the inevitable challenges of later life. And with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of Better Health While Aging. If you have any questions about something you heard in this episode, you can post it on the show notes page for the episode. I'll also be posting some links to some of the resources that I mentioned in the episode. To find the show notes, visit betterhealthwhileaging.net and click podcast in the main menu at the top. Last but not least, if you've been enjoying the podcast, don't forget to support us by subscribing on iTunes. And if you've already done that, please leave a rating and review. This makes it easier for others to discover our show in iTunes, and I would love for the many people who are interested in health or aging or family caregivers to be able to find it and give it a chance. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Leslie Kernison, and I'm looking forward to you joining us for future episodes.